Borderlands Buzz, a podcast brought to you by the Borderlands Research Institute at Sol Ross State University. The Borderlands Research Institute is conserving the last frontier through research, education, and outreach. Support for this podcast comes from Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and we're partnering with the Borderlands Research Institute to bring you this podcast. Uh, today, we're at the MIMS unit of the Dixon Water Foundation's property. Uh, I guess we're right outside of Marfa. We've had a really awesome morning, and our guests today are Alejandro Chavez Trevino and Emily Card, two grad students with the Borderlands Research Institute, and Philip Boyd, who's the Director of Science and Communication with the Dixon Water Foundation. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. What yeah, a beautiful morning us. it is to be out here. Absolutely. Yes. Well, you know what, let's start at the beginning and just talk about why we were out here. Um, and, and Alejandro, I'll ask you to just tell us, what, what have we been doing this morning? So this morning we've been uh, catching birds in the grassland uh, with a group of people. It, it, it was um, an event that we organized to, to get people together and, and catch birds, kind of like share this, um, I don't know, like the landscape and just the, the I don't know. Um, just the experience, right? Yeah, just the experience of catching birds and, and you know, appreciating like wildlife um, in their habitat, right? So we were setting mist nets in the, in the grasslands. So mist nets probably, for people who don't know, it's like a very thin net made of nylon. It's black, pretty much not visible for, for birds like sparrows. So... Yeah, it's, it's fun. You, you set the mist net in the middle of the prairie and then you um, like a, make a circle of people with, with volunteers and then you literally push birds and herd them into, into those mist nets and then we can like um, ban them and get data for, for research. And of course, you're, you're, you're in the middle of a project, you're collecting data, and Emily, you are as well, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And this is all part of a bigger program called the Borderlands Birding Bonanza. This is what the second or third. What? Tell me about that. Just the first couple this this season. Yeah, this is the second event that we've had this season. Our first event we did at uh, Dixon Water Foundation's Alameda Creek, which is a little bit to the southwest of Marfa, um, and we took out um, some members of the community, and we were able to walk through the through Alameda Creek and just go birding, and we had a nice and relaxing morning both days that we went out with our with our participants. It, yeah. it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Like so many things at uh, BRI, and I, we, we, we're in the wildlife profession, so we have to use acronyms, Borderlands Research Institute. We'll <laughs> call it BRI from now on. <laughs> but BRI depends on partners, and the Dixon Water Foundation has been a huge partner for, for, for BRI and is one of the reasons why this program got off the ground. So, Philip, why, why is the Dixon Water Foundation supporting this program? So we're supporting this research and outreach events with Borderlands Research Institute because um, really at the core of what we do at Dixon Water Foundation is trying to use good land management to promote healthy watersheds and really functional ecosystems. So for us, it's important to understand how the wildlife is utilizing the systems that we're managing with our cattle grazing. And we need sustainable grasslands to graze for our cattle operation and in order for us to understand if, our, if we're grazing in a way that's keeping those grasslands functional, it's important to understand if the 
native wildlife is also still utilizing those ecosystems. So for us, uh, the birding, for instance, is a really important component of that and how it indicates how our management is impacting the, the native grasslands here. So uh, we work pretty integrally with the Borderlands Research Institute and the, and the bird researchers to understand how our management is impacting that. I'm a, a as you, you've, you've known me for a little bit now, and you've probably noticed I'm a talker. I love to talk to people. <laughs> and so I was fascinated today by talking to the different guests that were here. There was one gal who came from Del Rio. She just saw it on Facebook, and she, she's a big birder, and she's involved with the cultural center, and she wanted to be here. There was a couple from San Antonio. What, what is it about this that you think that intrigues people so much? Who wants to feel that one? Emily. Um, I just think West Texas is such a unique ecosystem and very diverse and I think a lot of people want to explore that and because it's primarily composed of private lands when um, members of the community get an opportunity to explore some of this they get excited they want to know what's out here mm -hmm. and we also get excited too because we we want to connect people to the land we want them to get excited about conservation and enjoying nature just because that's should be their land <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, I want to dive into a little bit to the projects that each of you guys are working on. Um, and Alex, I'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about your project. Where, where are you? What are you trying to find out? Yeah. And so on. So um, there's like this uh, huge problem called like shrub encroachment, which is the invasion of shrubs into the grasslands. And um, we're trying to figure out if like treating those um, those grasslands, like to remove those shrubs, will increase um, the population of grassland birds and, wild, and grassland wildlife in general. So we're pretty much trying to enhance the grasslands um, conditions to provide good habitat for, for birds. Um, yeah, take, con considering that grassland birds are declining very fast and they're probably the, the, the group of birds that are declining the fastest in North America. So we have declines up to 80 to 90% of populations of some species. So that's, that's, that's huge. So we want to provide them with better habitat and we're, we're trying to see which, what kind of management, like land management, uh, help them and, and, and how that affects uh, population of birds. So that's what I'm trying to figure out if, if, the, if the shrub removal treatment is benefiting um, grassland birds or, or, or maybe it's not or maybe it is. So far we, we, we have found like more detections of, of, of sprax pipits in treated sites, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, that's good news. So you, uh, not to get too much into the weeds, haha, but how do you treat? I mean, what are you doing? Are you removing? Yeah, so um, the, the treatment consists in two stages. Uh, the first stage is a spray of a herbicide that will kill um, specifically uh, honey mesquite in, in, in these areas, right? And honey mesquite has been a problem in, in the Chihuahua Desert because it just spread all, all over where historically these places should be open grasslands, right? Um, so that, that's the first stage, spray, spray these sites with herbicide and then, and then th those shrubs will be... Uh, then removed with, with fire or, or mechanical remotion, like bulldozers or stuff like that. And is there, there's a baseline ahead of time, so you know how many birds were found before yes. the treatment? Actually, my first year of my research uh, happened, uh, my surveys happened the year before the, the survey. So we can compare what's going on um, 
uh, before and after the treatment. So that's pretty awesome. Okay, so Emily, I understand your project complements his. Yes, yeah, I'm kind of taking over Alex's project and I am looking more at the long-term effects of the herbicide treatments. And our goal is to try to get those treated areas back to their historical condition, so to look more like open grasslands. And so I'm going to see if the herbicide treatment is an effective way to restore grasslands and to also restore the bird communities because as the woody cover decreases, we should expect to see more of those grassland specialist birds or the birds that want to be in the open grasslands. Yeah, come back. So, mm -hmm. Philip, from a land steward's perspective, why is this work important? Well, we're, we're a foundation that is trying to promote healthy watersheds through good land management, as I mentioned earlier. And, and we look at our ranches as demonstration ranches. So, um, you know, we like to be able to share how we manage with, uh, with others in the land steward community or land, land management community and just to see how what, what we're doing is impacting those resources. So, and part of understanding how it's impacting is how the wildlife is responding to management. So that's really how it fits together. And to say, you know, for some folks, maybe birds don't seem like that important of a piece of the puzzle, you know, but they're actually super important because if you want a good grassland, you know, you want signs that your grassland is functioning well, you want the birds that specialize in utilizing those communities present on your land. So for us, it's all about understanding how the system fits together, you know. Um, we try to look at things through a, a holistic lens like that, you know. It's not just the cattle and the grass, it's the grass and the soil, and it's the how the water interacts with that system, it's how the wildlife interacts with that system. And for us, it's important to be able to share what we are learning from this research that's taking place on our properties with others in the agricultural community as well. Awesome. So today, um, we did get one bird. <laughs> yeah, we got one. We got, we got one, one bird. Um, yeah. A really beautiful little bared sparrow. Um, I want to I want to dive a little bit deeper and find out like how many birds. How often are you out here mist netting for your data? Give give us give me a feel for that. Okay. So actually, my, for my research research project, I don't really mist net that much. Uh, what I do is just. Um, like point counts or transect where, where I'm like walking in a, in a straight line and counting birds. But in previous research that I've been part of, like collaborating as a volunteer and also a technician, um, we used to miss net um, three times, well, yeah, three different times during the winter, and each time it will be like maybe five or six days of miss netting every morning. So a normal day, during during captures, we will like wake up five in the morning, really early. Grab a cup of coffee, eat an apple, uh, and then and then be ready to 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 receive the volunteers, right? To uh, to yeah, to receive them, and then we g give them instructions on what we're gonna do. So we're gonna like uh, drive into the ranch, set the mist nets, and we tell them all about the the circles and herding the birds and pushing them into the mist nets, and then we'll stay in the field for maybe until 11 and then ha have lunch and then keep doing like uh, more, more mist netting um, and then maybe like noon or, or one, usually we'll, we'll, we'll head back. Um, that means that we, do, we did maybe around um, like six or seven mist nets during the, during the day uh, and we'll catch 
I don't know. Well, it, it really depends. It really depends on where we're, we're going. But there were days where in Hopefully one more than one. Yeah, <laughs> there were days in, in only one misnet we would catch like maybe ten or twelve uh, sparrows. And they come like in crazy. at the same time. Yeah, okay, at the same that time. must be exciting. That's yeah, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. it's the my best. You know, the best of my year. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the catching work. So, Ellen, anything to share about that experience? Um, so I actually um, won't be misnetting for my research project either, but I have done misnetting too, working as a technician for other grad students. And um, yeah, it's super exciting. Like you feel so silly just waving your arms around and sometimes you have to run around like you're like on a sports team to try to get the birds herded into the net because once they fly through a gap or over you, like they're just long gone. It's teamwork. Yeah. It's teamwork. <laughs> it is a lot of teamwork. It's a great icebreaker. Yeah. And, and a good workout too, right? Yeah. It's, a more, yeah. Yeah. it's a great way to spend a, a morning. And I, I think I should like, explain why, like by past research, what was going on, why, why we were catching birds. So in the past, there were these uh, two grad students, Denise Perez and, and Fabiola Baeza, and they were setting, like putting radio transmitters to these birds. So they will catch them, put a radio transmitter on these birds. A little tiny radio little transmitter. Tiny, it's, it's, like a, it's like a, back, like a backpack for, yeah. for birds yeah. with a little antenna, like super light. So, and then they would, they would release these birds into their habitat, right? So in the next following days, these guys will, will like track them with, a, with an antenna. And, and you can and you can uh, hear a signal, a signal of, of the transmitter that you put in the bird, and then you can follow that signal until you find the bird, and then you, you you mark a GPS point, and you can see which habitat the bird is using, what is like, what doesn't, what it doesn't like, that maybe the bird likes like higher higher grass or maybe lower grass, or what proportion of like grass with like bare ground and. You can also estimate survival because some of those birds won't survive or get predated or something. So you can get uh, survival estimations and, and see how habitat is affecting that survival. So there's a lot of information you can get um, from, from that data. So that's pretty cool. So you're, both of your projects now are on private land, right? Yes. yes. Okay. yes. Okay. So are, are there any research projects right now, Philip, underway here at the MIMS unit? Well, yeah, I just wanted to expand a little bit sure. on how this previous research uh, ties into what we do as well. So this ranch here in Marfa is, as I mentioned, it's a demonstration ranch. We have it split up into really two management types. One is a large pasture that's continuously grazed by the same herd. And then we have the rest of the ranch, which we move a herd through rotationally. So they're never in the pasture for, in a single pasture for too long. And um, they'll graze a pasture and we'll move them to the next pasture, move them to the next one. And we give those pastures that have been grazed a chance to rest and recover and so the way that this research is informative for us is to see what bird communities are utilizing which pastures that have been grazed in the different management styles you know so we can see if there are a higher population of you know the grassland specialist birds in the rotationally grazed uh, management area then that shows us that that type of management is is best for the grasslands and best for those communities. So that's really how we are looking at, you know, where the birds are showing up, what habitat they're utilizing, you know, in, in um, concert with our management styles. Um, and now currently on the ranch, we're going to, con we continue to work with, um, with the bird researchers. We work with the um, Rocky, uh, Bird Conservancy of the Rockies as well. They come out, um, and this methodology with the mist netting is, um, something that they utilize as well and um, 
and then they'll be doing transects out here as well this winter and um, and looking for different bird counts out here so that's happening and then we also do have some research with uh, pronghorn another grassland specialist species that we have out here and um, and the vegetation um, available for pronghorn diet in, in the different management areas on our ranch. Um, I, I know that for BRI, getting information out to landowners is a key piece of the mission. Is that a big part of what y'all do? It is really important to us as well, and these types of events are good because, um, you know, you mentioned the woman who drove in from Del Rio. You know, birding, birders are very excited about you know about that. It's how people connect <laughs> yeah, to the and, land. Yeah. And they they like to see new places, they like to get access to places they haven't been before, see species that they've never seen in their lives. And you know, you get a big group of volunteers out for something like these the mist netting opportunity or or our field day down at Alameda Creek Preserve. And um we're excited about the birds, but then inevitably there's conversation about the grasslands and there's conversation about the cattle grazing and there's conversation about how the creek functions, you know, further downstream and, and how rare, um, you know, functional riparian areas like that are in the desert. And, you know, so it's a really good opportunity to talk about these, okay. these bigger topics. And then from an agricultural standpoint, too, you know, to be able to learn from these events and learn how um, people are excited about places like this that are under good stewardship and, and how... Uh, the bird species are indicating how you're doing as a manager. You know, that's really important information to share as well. So we're always looking for ways to share that information. Um, you know, currently in this climate today, it's, it's, it's been difficult tricky. <laughs> in the last year or so to have these public events. But, um, but we're figuring out how to do this it. This is a and, good place to social distance. Yeah, you can social distance here <laughs> and be outside. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to figure out ways to do this in a safe way, you know, in the kind of uncertain future, but uh, but we're always sharing on social media and our website as well. Well, I, I've been uh, sharing the gospel of the importance of communications and outreach and education for going on 30 years now. <laughs> so it's great to see that. I love your title. I wanted to just make a comment on that. Oh, yeah. How did that... Did, did you apply for that job or did that job, I mean, uh, science and communication, that's a great, especially right now in the times we live in, yeah. to have those two things linked together. Give me a little bit of background yeah. on that. That's interesting. So I've always kind of been a interdisciplinary guy. I'm not really a expert on any one thing, you know, so uh, I have a, a master's in science, but I wouldn't call myself a master of science. I've done some communication stuff in the past, but really the title for me was was very exciting because uh, what I do at the foundation, the, this position was created out of need really. Um, we're not a, a very large uh, operation as far as our number of staff members on the foundation, um, but it was really a need just given all the different um, responsibilities that, that we have as a foundation. So um, we, do, um, we do give out grants and we have the different cattle operations. We have ranches in West Texas and in, in North Texas. Um, and, and so really it was in, in you know, just the sort of operational side of the foundation as well. So really with the pre-existing staff uh, and all the research that was going on and the different events and everything it was really created, the position was created out of need. And, um, and they talked to me about it because I had been involved with Borderlands Research Institute prior to this position. And, 
and you know been out here a lot with these types of events and so and I live here in Marfa so it just um, it really worked out very well awesome. and uh, it's exciting for me because I get to continue my relationship with Borderlands Research uh, coming out for events and research and, and, and looking for new ways that we can be researching how our management is impacting these resources. That's awesome. So for, for you two, uh, Alex and, and Emily, I mean, what, what are your observations about the role of communications and what you do? You know, you guys are going to graduate mm-hmm. with wildlife degrees. I know, Alex, we talked before that you want to go on and get your Ph.D. Emily, are you thinking in that? Possibly. I definitely want to maybe do some more field work before I get too tired of it and then think about my Ph.D. Yeah. But yeah. I'm in the same boat with you. Well, yeah. As you think about just the role of communications and getting the science-based information out there, I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I think it's important because I was invited to this uh, Iron Lab Sciences from A&M. Um, it was a webinar. And I talk about my research and grasslands and, and sharp encroachment and, and all of these things. And then I just met a, a person who came here because he he went to my webinar and then he saw the 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 the, the post about this event in in social media and he made the connection. He's like, oh, that's cool. Like I, I know I know this person. And then he came. And was like that, that was like very that was awesome. That was awesome. That, that was fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, I. I and, he, and then I heard that he switched, like his major or something like that. Yeah, he did. Be- he told me that he switched his major after he listened to my webinar. Yes. It's like oh, I'm impacting people. You're an influencer, <laughs> man. We had a, yeah. Actually, last year at one of these uh, the last year's birding events, we had a similar thing happen here too, where. Um, a young man had come out here. His family had some property, and um, I think in the hill country, and he was kind of starting to think about how they could manage it with their cattle operation. But he came out because he had been working with um, with the bird with a bird conservation group, and so he was interested from that angle. But then when he came out to the ranch and we started talking about the way we manage our cattle here, he got all fired up. And then I ended up seeing him at a a different conference about. Um, soil health and how you know grazing impacts soil health and and he was all excited you know so um, you know this idea of communication and especially partnerships another reason you know with my position now at the foundation we have another person that can participate in webinars or conferences and and really explore these partnerships which are just a huge component in learning and sharing you know ideas Emily, your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, for me, I think it's super important because sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And I think when you can communicate effectively about your research or something that interests you about the natural world, as Philip was saying, like people get super excited about that and want to participate. And we actually had a participant today who um, wants Alex and I to come out to his land and survey his land for birds because he wants to know what's on his land too. And so it just it gets me really excited and hopeful about the field of conservation when you can really connect with other people about land and natural resources. Well, and especially now, you know, there's so many more ways to connect now, you know, online mm-hmm. through webinars. There's so much more of that. And you just never know when that webinar you do is going to make a connection with someone, yeah. you know, and then they exactly. end up. I think that's really an awesome, an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to ask you, what, what are you hoping to do after you graduate? What are you? Um, I'm planning to maybe apply for another Feel the work, yeah. <laughs> just to you know, <laughs> relax a little bit and just do one thing in the field and just like go out and then um, I want to apply for a PhD. That's my that's my goal. I want to be a researcher. I want to be a scientist, and I wanna, yeah, develop knowledge or, or, or generate knowledge for 
to to help conservation of birds or whatever, but mostly birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Emily. Um, I definitely want to stay in grassland ecosystems. I'm super passionate about grassland birds and grasslands, and I think sometimes they're underrated. People always think like, oh, forests or coastal ecosystems, but grasslands are super important. They sequester a lot of carbon, and they have important ecological roles. Um, but yeah, I might apply for more field jobs. Um, my boyfriend is actually, he might be starting um, a master's up in Montana, so I, that would be a great place to move to. Another ecosystem. Another right? grassland ecosystem. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, connected in the life cycle of the same birds that are here yeah. too. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's really cool. I actually was working for the Smithsonian up in Montana, and that's what got me this position here is yeah. I was super pumped to see the birds in their wintering habitat because yeah. I had seen them in their breeding habitat. I had the same experience. I worked for Bird Conservancy yeah. of the Rockies in, in the breeding grounds in Montana, <laughs> and that's why I come here. Yeah, that's <laughs> really awesome. Yeah, so. I think, too, from an amateur birder, you know, you might, just like you said, you don't know what you don't know, and um, a lot of times people think of sparrows as just, you know, oh, it's just a sparrow. Mm -hmm. It's like it's a com the same bird. They're all the same birds. But then these opportunities out here give you a chance to see, oh, this is a particular type of sparrow that specializes in this type of habitat and it has these markings on it and it looks different than this other sparrow and you start to get, oh yeah. wow, I start to see that there's a lot m more to it than you thought there was. And the same thing happens with the grasslands. You get this mm -hmm. kind of doorway into the grasslands and start thinking about, wow, these type of birds only live in, in, in grasses? I didn't know that. And then as Emily yeah. mentioned, you know, the sequestration of carbon and water retention, infiltration, all those things. Um, I had someone out here for a different um, reason a, a few months ago, and they said, you know, I just looked at this before and I didn't see anything. You know, I saw, like, if you're at the tundra or something like that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm realizing there's so much life out mm -hmm. there and there's so much complexity to yeah. it. So, I got to share my, my very first misnetting story with you. <laughs> before either of you two were born, probably all three of you, in the early 90s when I was working at Texas Parks and Wildlife. And I had went out with a group of wildlife biologists out to the Balcones uh, Refuge for looking for golden chief warblers. We could hear them everywhere. And I was very new to outdoor stuff. So I, I was so frustrated because I could hear them. And the biologists, they're right there. I could, I could hear them, but I couldn't see them. And then we misnetted some, and then it was like this film came off my eyes, and it was like, oh my god! Yes, and it's, it's, yeah, I feel I've thought about this. Like I remember my my first years in college when I started to learn like more plants and animals and birds yeah. and stuff, and and I feel like like a veil, kind of like yeah. someone took out a veil, and I could see more of the universe exactly. and I could see myself like a, as a part of something bigger yeah. and I don't know, it was like, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I could sit on this breezy porch for another couple of hours chatting with you, but <laughs> probably should wrap this up. That was a great closing thought. <laughs> Emily, do you have any closing thoughts just oh, about <laughs> this, this, this morning and this conversation? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited to keep putting on um, community events like this and getting to learn or get, getting to know more of the people in the birding community just because I'm going to be around here for another two years. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. And that's the opportunity for the shameless plug <laughs> for the Borderlands Birding Bonanza. We will be <laughs> scheduling more of these, um, and we'll be getting the word out about this. This was just, we launched the program this year, and we're gonna, it's going to be an ongoing program, so we'll be getting the word out about, about that. Philip, any closing, closing thoughts? No, just thank you for having me, and... Um, 
and having us and thank you for tuning into the podcast and taking some time out of your day to hear about birds and grasslands. <laughs> it's really important. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Borderlands Buzz is brought to you by the Borderlands Research Institute at Sol Ross State University and sponsored by Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. Find out more about our work at bri.solross.edu.